and we are continuing what we started last week in the service, in the evening service, the cries, the seven cries from Calvary, and we've left from Matthew 27, where in verse 46, the Lord cried, Eli, Eli, Lama, Shabbatoth and I, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We've gone back to <clears throat> different portions of scripture, different gospel accounts, and looked at the cry of forgiveness, Father, forgive them, the cry of salvation, today that shall be with me in paradise, the cry of provision, behold thy son, behold thy mother. And tonight we start with this one in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, the cry of desertion. And let's pray as we start. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, and I pray that we may see the Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us, that we might appreciate that more and more as we grow to understand our sinfulness and your holiness. Lord, bless the thoughts of your word to us, each one tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so we have this that I read a moment ago in verse 46 of 27, the saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It reveals a few things about the Lord and his ministry to us. It reveals Christ's love to mankind. In John's Gospel 15:13, it reads, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Our Saviour was forsaken by his Father that we might be received as sons. He laid down his life on that occasion for us that we might have life. A great and wonderful thought that is, isn't it, to us each one. He, he knew us. <laughs> he knew our being. He knew our substance before we were formed. He knew our sin before he paid the price. But it reveals his love for us while we yet sin as Christ died for us. Um, in Habakkuk 113, it reads, <clears throat> Thou, God, art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. What was the Lord Jesus bearing at that time that he was crying us? <coughs> well, if you read in verse 45, And from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. This darkness had just been complete, and at about the ninth hour, this is when Jesus cried this, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Lord God could not, the Father could not behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. He was bearing our sin. The Father could not look on sin. He's of purer eyes than to behold that. And so it was a, a very important time in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ for sinners, was it not? It reveals also the plan of salvation in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became sin for us, that we might be <laughs> receive the gift of righteousness. And it's not that we've worked for it, it's that he's given that to us as a gift. It's, it's, it's the um, imputation of his righteousness to us as sinners. It reveals also that a price must be paid for sin. In Hebrews chapter 10, where it speaks of the sacrifices, in verse 1 and following, 
The writer of Hebrews here is talking about the shadows of the Old Testament sacrifices. And we read in verse 1, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. It couldn't do that. They, the sacrifices, could not do that, make the people perfect that came with them sacrifices, with those sacrifices. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, the remembrance again made of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Then if they didn't take away sins, what were they doing? <laughs> what did the Old Testament sacrifices doing if they didn't take away sins? They were covering the sins until the time that Christ died. And then he bore our sins in his own body, not only ours, but all those of the Old Testament who had offered all these sacrifices. And again, that is repeated in verse 11. But we read on in verse 5. Wherefore he cometh into the world, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. <laughs> in the volume of the book it is written me to do thy will, O God. Do you think about these things when you read them? <laughs> the Lord said... <coughs> I come in the volume of the book. What does it mean? The Lord Jesus is saying this. I come in the volume of the book. What's the book? The Bible. What does it speak about in the Old Testament? His sacrifice and his offering. All the prophecies pointing to the Lord Jesus. He come in the volume of the book. <laughs> it's already been said that this is going to happen and it will happen. And he's going to fulfill it. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and Offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure in them, which is offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will. He come to fulfill the volume of the book. <laughs> o God, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. He taketh away the old sacrificial system, that he may establish the day of grace, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He only had to make one sacrifice. His blood was pure. His blood was shed that all might receive salvation who have believed on him in the past and in the future. Every priest standeth daily ministering the offering, often the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, just like verse 4. But they needed to make them. They're under the command of the Lord to do these things, to cover the sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. <laughs> Even so come Lord Jesus <laughs> and fulfill what this, this very thing that's spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In the midst of those cha that chapter there, he had brought all things under authority under his feet. So this whole portion is talking about dealing with sin Forever, once and forever. And the portion that we read here. And the cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
because the Father could not look on sin as he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Never in eternity past or eternity future had or will this happen again. We say often when there's a flood or a fire or something, there's a one in a hundred occasion, a one in a fifty years, you know, one in um, a thousand years. But this is one in eternity, isn't it? This is one sacrifice, once only, forever finished in eternity. And that he did as he bore our sins. The, the next cry, the fifth cry we have in John's Gospel, chapter 19 and verse 28. 1928 of John, and we read after this, Jesus, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. <laughs> he knew his Bible well. That the scripture might be fulfilled said what? I thirst. I thirst. Let's go to the Old Testament to Psalms chapter 69. That the scripture might be fulfilled as we're looking for this one. Psalm 69 and verse 2. Where are we? No, um, 21. Yes, <laughs> 21. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me what to drink? Vinegar to drink. <clears throat> that it might be fulfilled. All things were done, but that this might be fulfilled, he cried that, and they offered him vinegar to drink. In verse 3. Psalm 69, verse 3. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. And what is it known, a crucifixion known to do? Cause raging thirst. And that his throat was dried. He was suffering the pain of an agonizing death on the cross. You know, we may paint the outward appearance of his suffering but not the inward agony or the invisible cause of the agonies. Men can paint the cursed tree, but not the curse of the law that made it so. Isn't that true? We can paint certain things, but others, we can't paint the agony and the suffering, the cry of suffering, physical suffering and the spiritual suffering. We can... Artists can paint the picture and we can think of it in our minds of the suffering that Christ went through physically, but how can we comprehend the spiritual things that he was suffering? Men can paint Christ bearing the cross to Calvary as he bore the cross up the Via Della Rosa, as they call it, but not Christ bearing the sins of the world. You can't paint that picture, but you can think about it. And you can think of all the sins, the heinous sins. How many sins did Christ pay for? All the sins of everybody. Who does that include? Well, number one, <laughs> we know how much of we're sinners. But what about all the dictators? What about Stalin and Hitler and all those that have seen the death of multi millions of people in times past? Alexander the Great, the wars between. The church, well, in quotes, and the Muslims, the Crusaders, 
all the heinous things that happened there, the things that are happening in our day, how many of these sins did Christ pay for? We can't paint a picture of that, can we? We don't even know them, but God knows them. And there on the cross, our Saviour was paying for these sins. We may describe and paint a picture of the nails piercing his sacred flesh, but who can consider the eternal justice piercing flesh and soul and spirit alike as he was abandoned by his father? We may describe the soldier's spear, but not the arrows of the Almighty that pierce the Lord. We may describe the cup of vinegar that we've just talked of here, the sponge, which he but tasted but did not, cannot describe the cup of wrath which he drank to the lowest dregs. When you read in the book of Revelation, as I was talking to this morning after the service, about the, the, the wrath of the Lord poured out without mixture. John, yeah, it was. We're talking about that after the service. The wrath of the Lord upon sin in the tribulation poured out without mixture. That he bore for us, but we have to accept by faith that it, was, that it might be appropriated to us. He, he drunk it to the lowest dregs. The derision of the Jews we can describe, but we can't describe the de desertion of the Almighty forsaking his Son, that he might never forsake those who believe on him. Hasn't he promised to do that? In John's Gospel, chapter 10, he's promised that. And so the cry of suffering and all the pain that he went through on that occasion. We go to the next, the, the, the sixth saying is in John's Gospel, chapter 19. John's Gospel, chapter 19 and verse 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. <clears throat> this shows the salvation plan was finished. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 7 and verse 27, when we turn there, I recall someone who was in their 70s at the time heard a sermon on, it is finished. And they, they had all their life been in Christian circles and they said, I never understood that it meant it was paid for. <laughs> it's like... Oh, it's finished, I'm dead. No, that's not what it meant. There's a whole lot more than that when the Lord cried that. <coughs> Where we were going to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 27. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices for sins, for his own sins, and then for the people's? For this he did once when he offered up himself. <clears throat> salvation's plan was finished he offered up himself he didn't have to pay for his own sins he had no sin and the cry of victory it is finished he's paid the price for redemption he shall was it Isaiah 53 he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see his seed. He shall see all those that are going to be redeemed from the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And he shall rejoice. Even though there be few there be that find it, there is a multitude of people because the multitudes that are on the broad road that leads to destruction are far more numerous 
Their sins have been paid for, but they're on their way to destruction. They will not receive the gift of salvation. In verse 2 of Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before the Lord Jesus Christ? That sins of the people that he loved would be paid for. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The finisher of our faith, the cry of victory, it is finished. In John's Gospel, back there in chapter 6 of John and verse eight, oh, 38, John 6, 38, we read this. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And the Lord Jesus knew exactly what that would be. And he fulfilled it. And he said, it is finished. You can think with me of other things that were fulfilled. God was satisfied. It is finished. He was propitiated. 1 John 2, 2. It is finished. God's holy demands were met for the punishment and payment of sin. It is finished. Satan's head was bruised, as predicted in Genesis 3.15. It is finished. Prophecy <clears throat> was fulfilled that pertained to the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. All those things are fulfilled. And there's a whole lot more yet to be fulfilled that have to do with his second coming, aren't there? And as we look around, we see things moving at a pace and being fulfilled even today. It is finished. Sin was paid for. It is finished. Victory was secured for all who believe in the Lord Jesus. And victory over Satan was, was achieved. Heaven became accessible. It's interesting that at a time the Lord Jesus died and then in Ephesians 4 it talks about he took captivity captive and gave gifts to men. It is finished. He can take captivity captive. He now can, as John 14 Go prepare a place for us, that where he is there we may be also. It is finished. There's a lot of unfinished work before the Lord died. But when he said this, there's a lot of things, that was it. The final screw was put in. And there he, he could say it was finished. Grace, not law, became the governing factor. And we need to recognize that today. Grace, not law, is the governing factor. We live in the age of grace. Aren't you glad that you don't have to go to the temple every weekend and oh, or whenever the feasts were on and do sacrifice? We'd be a bit lost with that these days in the modern era, wouldn't we? Because there is, we don't own farms. <laughs> there were farming people. We'd have to purchase them, all the sacrifices. And something else was made possible because the veil was rent and we now have access to the Lord it is finished and and you could go on and on and think of all the things that were finished when the Lord said it is finished <laughs> things that are mentioned in the scripture and that's in Hebrews 9 verse 11 and now we have the last cry turning to Luke chapter 23 and 46 the last cry 23 and 46 And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, 
Into thy hands I commend my spirit. As my uncle cried when, Father, Lord, take me home. <laughs> Before he died that night, here the Lord cried, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I wonder if we we're able to and prepared to say that when the time comes. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He is the one, the Father, taking care as the death angel comes our way. Can we say, I completely trust in what I've studied, what I've understood, by faith what I have believed, and I know in the next few moments I'm going to be in heaven. Because one day it's going to happen to us all. It's happening to a lot of people, most of them non-Christians, and they can't say it. But this happening to Christians too. And we needn't fret and get upset. And uh, the testimony of most people I've talked to prior to them passing away and they know they're going is that things down here don't matter anymore. The building, the car, the changing of the oil, the <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. The things that I've laboured and worked for and can't take them with me and that Christian realises that and we can just say Lord take me home into thy hands I commend my spirit the Lord said this here it reveals Christ's yielded life <clears throat> Matthew twenty six thirty nine reads and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying oh my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as I will but as thou wilt into thy hands he trusted his father into the hands of commend my my spirit it reveals not only his yielded life but his obedient life is in philippians 2 verse 8 and being found in fashion as a man he be, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death his obedient life even to the death of the cross even that sort of death crucified by the creatures he created on the wood that he created, with the nails that he laid in the ground, the, the ore, he was crucified by them. He died for us. It reveals Christ's power as well. Let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, and verse 15. John 10, 15, 17, and 18. And, and pick up a saying that's used in each of these verses. In verse 15 of 10, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. Verse 18, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. What's repeated four times in those three verses? I lay down my life. I lay down my life. He chose to do this. He, he, he wasn't forced to do this. He chose to do this. And the Lord is invita inviting those that choose to follow him, not those that are forced to, with their hand up behind their back and, you know, like the handcuffs on, you're going to get saved. That's, that's a different sort of doctrine that I don't believe and we don't believe here but it's becoming very popular around the world, a forced salvation. 
Because you're going to get saved. You will get saved. And no matter what, God will force you. No, he won't. <laughs> he laid his life down and he chooses. He, he chooses those that know or believe by faith without being forced to. He loves those that love him and choose to follow him. Have you chosen to follow him? He's done all of these things. Father, forgive them. Forgiveness. Today that shall be with me in paradise, salvation. Behold thy son, behold thy mother, provision. Petition, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The cry of suffering, I thirst. The cry of victory, it is finished. The cry of death, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. There's a story of a, a fire in a, in a double-story house. And the young lad was caught upstairs and the fire started downstairs. No way getting down the stairwell or getting out the door. And as the smoke started filling, he went to the window. <laughs> Opened the window and he's, he's standing there. And, and what, what a young, anyone standing there, what, what am I going to do? The smoke's coming out behind and the flames, flames are coming up. And he climbs out the window on the ledge. And what is he going to do? <laughs> and the thighs start coming up from underneath. And there's a strong man down below. He says, boy, drop. <laughs> boy, drop. And that's what we have to do when we come to the Lord. Just drop into his arms and he'll bear us safely because he's paid the price. He's done the work. We don't have to. We just believe what he has done and believe his word. Boy, lass, drop into my arms and you are safe. Are you safe in the arms of the Lord Jesus? Let go everything. Let go your arguments. Let go your religion and let the Lord hold you up. And he is able to, isn't he? He's able to deliver us. And so I pray that those seven sayings of the Lord might mean something to you as you come across them again and do your own study on them, considering them. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word, the words that you shared on the cross. They are very significant. Significant. They they have meaning to those who know the word and who love you. Lord, I pray that we would continually praise you for what you have done and thank you for the promises you are going to fulfill. And thank you, Lord, that we can fall into your arms, into your hands. As you say, let go of all the things in life and trust in me. And may we have that faith tonight. And as we think of your suffering and we remember what you've done in the Lord's Supper this evening. May our hearts rejoice. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.